0: Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 73. If you
1: notice we don't have another intro but we have people on Patreon who this is part of their tier like it's one of the like rewards that comes with it and they don't want to do it. So just a little foreshadowing of the foreskin. (laughs) We're gonna have another giveaway before Halloween to give away some of these Intro spots that people don't want to do. So stay tuned. But if it's part of your tier and you want to do it, send it in. If you don't know what I'm talking about with Patreon and tiers, head on over to patreoncom slash podcast See what all the hoopla is about. <laughs> you ready to jump in? i uh, sure. Okay. Hey, girls. I've been listening to your podcast for two years now, and I genuinely think I'm your youngest listener. I'm 15 years old and live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I had to, like, process that, that we've been a podcast for two years. Oh, my God. Like, you've been listening since, the like, you're
0: you're an OG. They've been listening since they were 13. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. Me and
1: my mom listen to you, but not always together. I am 100% a beautiful creepster and wouldn't have it any other way. I have a story for y'all. It's not mine. But I feel like it should be told. Sorry if y'all wanted to cover this after this episode. I'm here to tell you the story of Carrie Anthony Stainer, a.k.a. the Yosemite Killer. Heard of him? Yes, we actually... Well, hell, probably around the time you sent this. It was like episode 117. I did his story, and it is good. So I am here for this, for this synopsis of all the things. He was convicted in 1999 of four counts of first-degree murder. His four victims were Carol Sund and her teenage daughter, Julie Sund, Sylvina Palazzo, they said, I don't know how to say it either, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) and Joey Ruth Armstrong. Stainer was working as a handyman at a motel located just outside Yosemite when Carol, Julie, and Sylvina came to stay in 1999. The trio was reported missing on Valentine's Day of the same year. Law enforcement found Carol's burnt car on March 19th that year, 80 miles away from where the trio was staying. Carol Sund and Sylvina Palazzo's bodies were found in the car's trunk, but their bodies were so burnt, they could only be identified by dental records. Julie's body wasn't found until officers were sent a note that gave Julie's body's exact location. Police later found the decapitated body of Joey Ruth Armstrong, who wasn't related to the earlier victims, in July of 1999. There were no leads, so the case went cold, until an eyewitness said they saw a blue car outside of the earlier victims' motel before they disappeared, making Stainer the prime suspect. FBI agent Jeffrey Rennick was assigned to Stainer's case after it was reopened. Rennick was with his wife on one afternoon when he got a call telling him to pick up Stainer and go for a drive. The drive was meant to last 45 minutes, but went on for an hour and a half. Rennick went on to ask Stainer his motives and tried to get him to confess. Stainer denied killing the women until Rennick asked about his younger brother, Kevin. Rennick told Stainer he worked with victims involved with sex slavery. Stainer then began to tell Rennick about his brother, who was abducted at age 8, held captive as a sex slave for 7 years, and ended up dying at age 24 in a car accident. He then began to tell Rennick he was a victim of sexual abuse as a child as well. After Stainer's emotional story, he confessed to the murders of Carol, Julie, Sylvina, and Joey. In court, Stainer pled not guilty and claimed insanity, which was overruled due to evidence and testing. The judge and Rennick claimed it was the hardest court meeting and they had to hold back tears. Stainer was convicted July 1999 and sentenced to death in 2002. As of August 2019, he was still on death row in California. I know this was a long story, but I wanted it told. It just shows how you can feel safe when you're with friends and family and that wouldn't matter if someone really wanted to hurt you. Even though the women didn't provoke Stainer, he went after them. And that happens a lot, so we need to be careful. Anyways, I love you guys so much. Thanks for reading my story.
0: I remember that story that you'd covered. It was heartbreaking.
1: And you did such a great job with the synopsis. Um, yes. I'm not sure if you want to say your name, so we're not going to say it. But, yes, that is what's hard about it. Because... If someone does want to hurt you, they want to hurt you. And, you know, I think, too, it's not even if they did something to provoke him, he should have some self-control. You know, yeah. it's like, fuck him. You know, mm-hmm. it's so crazy how the girls had evidence of sexual assault, if you remember that. And it's like, so you were a victim. Your brother was this victim. You know, you want to in, in your heart to say, how do you hurt someone else? But, I mean, it's a cycle of abuse for a reason.
0: Yeah. What episode did you say that you cover that story? 117. Yeah, if y'all like the synopsis, I'm telling you, she goes into more detail, and it's heartbreaking and so good. Thank you so much for sending that in. Okay, these are titled The Lost Stories from Last November, and this lady reached out to us and was like, Hey, I haven't heard my stories yet, and I sent them in in November, and we're on April, you know? So, if y'all have sent your stories in, like, December, and you haven't heard it, like, send it again. Mm -hmm. Because we literally read every single story we get and
1: in the order that we receive them.
0: All right. Hello, my two favorite beautiful creepsters, a.k.a. Bo and Marley. (laughs) And hated your human pets. Oh, well, just plain, love you Miss Donna and Typhoid Mary aka Carrie. <laughs> oh my God, why are we so sickly? <laughs> so here's my story. It started when I was a kid. I lived in an old farmhouse that had been converted into three townhouses. In the house was my parents, my little brother, my sister, and myself. I am the oldest. So when we moved into this house, it had four bedrooms and half an attic and the bathroom, living room and kitchen was on the first floor, and half a basement. Now, this was our first big house we moved into. Beautiful garden, big yard, and woods behind the house. When we first moved in, nothing seemed to happen. We loved having the room, but as a little kid, I started noticing things going on, like the bathroom light turned off or just weird old smells. But my parents would just play it off to overactive imagination. Well, at night, my sister was afraid to go to sleep, even though her and I slept in bunk beds. So it started with her screaming that a witch with long nails was grabbing and scratching her legs. My parents would come in and there would be nothing there. This went on for a week. Then, the last time it happened to her, my brother came in before my parents did, so my parents blamed it on him. Stupid mistake. So, three weeks went by and nothing. One afternoon, my parents took me to spend the day with my grandparents while they went shopping with my little siblings. Well, on the way back from the store, they were heading home when a black dog had jumped down in front of them. My dad swerved to miss it and drove headfirst into a telephone pole. Oh, no. He had hit his head on the seatbelt harness and split his head open. My mom and siblings were not injured. When he got out of the car to see if the dog was okay, he told me that he saw an old, haggard woman standing in the middle of the road with a black dog by her side. He asked if she was okay, but all she did was laugh at him. The people whose yard my dad was parked in now came running over to see if he was okay. My dad asked if they had seen the old lady and the black dog, but they told him no. All they saw was him swerve and hit the pole. These people had been in their front yard the whole time. Oh, shit. So, needless to say, we moved out within a month. Sorry it was so long, I will write in more stories about my grandparents' house and such. Oh, shit, Carrie. Now, on to my ambient story. Oh, shit. So, I suffer from insomnia, No big deal, but my doctor starts me on this new drug called Ambien, 10 milligrams. Here's one of those stories. I feel like that was Law & Order SVU. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, as always, I took my wonder drug, waiting for it to kick in, and the fun to begin. So, as I sat watching TV, my hubby made this suggestion that he was hungry and that we should make a run to Walmart. Okay, this should be fun, So we go to Walmart and get what we need. No problem. Came home, and guess what kicked in? Holy Hannah, I am fucked up. So I proceed to make sandwiches, fed him, and went to bed. But in true insomnia form, my brain shut down, but my body sadly did not. So I went to bed in nothing but a thong and what the good Lord has given me. (laughs) 20 minutes in bed, I remember what I had forgotten at the store, so i get up and proceed to go to Walmart in what I went to bed in. I made it two blocks before my hubby figured out I wasn't in bed, so he came looking for me. Now, here I am, little old me, walking on the side of the road, walking to Walmart to get what I needed. No shirt, no shoes, bare naked ass just flopping in the summer night on a mission to Walmart. Well, he caught me and we played ring around the car for like 20 minutes. Side note, I'm an extra large pizza and tall as a tree. He was so mad and in my drugged out state, I thought it was a game. Well, when he finally convinced me to get into the car, I puked. Then I got into the car and he put me to bed and made sure he locked all the doors so I could not escape again. I have a few more I'll send in at a later time, like how I tried to go to the car show. Love you guys bunches, locked up in quarantine, Nikki Blue. There's a fine line between kidnapping
1: and your uh, partner's on Ambien.
0: Oh my gosh, right? It really is.
1: If you take that story out of context, he's chasing her around the car to get her to get in said car that she doesn't want to get in, take her back to his house to lock her in. Yeah. But it makes complete sense when you're like, oh, she on Ambien, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that witch was pissed that y'all didn't believe she was there.
0: Oh, well, when she said her sister said that an old witch was grabbing at her. Oh, I know. I
1: just was like, oh, I could just see the nails. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, this one is a postponed concert tour and McDonald's secret menu. I am here for this because I have been on a McFlurry fucking kick. Hey, ladies, my name is Haley, and this would be my second time writing in if my first email went through. We shall listen and see. Oh my God, that's like two. So like Donna said, if you feel like they haven't been sent in, do it again, but like make a note so we know to check. In case the first email didn't find you, I'll take some time to say I'm a huge fan of the podcast and it has inspired me to create a podcast with my best friend that is not nearly as high quality as yours. Well, I'm at, we recommend Will. It's called A Spooky Hangout Potty, and you can give it a listen wherever you get your podcasts if you're all caught up with Crime Junkie and can deal with a few episodes and horrific sound quality. Anyway, the story that I will share with you today is not necessarily a paranormal one, but it is sinister in nature, and it makes me pucker my butthole when I think about it because it takes me back to that moment of terror and the possibilities of what could happen plague my mind. Let me explain. Picture it. Small town Ohio, circa 2011. Nothing to do but drive around, sing in your car, and then drive around some more, which is exactly what my sister and I were doing on this particular Saturday evening. My sister is four years older than me, but has always been my best friend, aside from all the sisterly MMA matches we had during our childhood. So she was driving and I was the co-pilot, DJ, and in charge of lighting her cigarettes so she didn't have to take her eyes off the road. I mean, did you just steal that story from Casey and me, my sister? I mean, what the fuck? We used to ride around in my dad's Explorer when she was in, well, you know, when I was like, you know, in eighth grade and she was in high school, but whatever, smoking cigarettes and drinking Cherry Dr. Pepper from Sonic. (laughs) The good old days. I mean, after probably half an hour into our world tour in her 1996 Infinity G20, we were needing some intermission refreshments to continue on our set list, so we decided to hit up the McDanks just outside our town. Is that a thing for McDonald's?
0: I, guess, I don't know. Okay.
1: We rolled right up to the place our order of sodas and milkshakes because we were ballers on a budget. The McDonald's wasn't busy as it was later in the evening, but there was still a wait and two other cars ahead of us. After we gave the cashier our money and were waiting to pull forward, things started to get a little more interesting than either of us would have liked. The car in front of us was one of those ugly ass mustard orange Chevrolets with the hatchback that is a direct ripoff of the PT Cruiser, but is even uglier, you know the ones. There was a guy driving and another one in the passenger seat. I wouldn't have even noticed either of them or their ugly turd of a car if it weren't for the driver of the car looking in the side mirror back at us. Hell, I probably wouldn't even have noticed they were staring at us if the driver didn't yell out of his rolled down car window to get our attention. I don't really remember what he said or if he said anything of meaning at all and just kind of yelled at us. I couldn't tell you, but there was something about his demeanor, something about the way he was motioning us to pull into the parking spot after them that was just not right. He was trying to be too casual, too nonchalant about it, that red flags were going up, and I felt the brick of panic drop into my lower intestines. I could have shit myself right there in my (laughs) sister's car, which would have sucked for future me because that would be my first car, too, and I doubt that that would be a stain one could get out.
0: Oh, my gosh. I digress. I mean, really, is she talking about you and Casey, though? I mean,
1: like, for real. By this point, we had pulled forward in the line, and they were the only car in front of us. All the while, we were ignoring them trying to get our attention. After they received their order, instead of exiting the parking lot and driving away like normal people, they just pulled forward to the closest parking spot. My sister and I didn't say much about them other than it being a bit strange, I was for sure creeped out, but I didn't expect anything to come of it. So after we got our order and exited the parking lot, I was shocked to see the orange Chevy catch up to us at the stoplight. Sure, this was a coincidence, right? We lived about 15 to 20 minute drive away from McDonald's. So after 10 minutes into the car ride home and we noticed that the orange Chevy was still behind us, the level of panic increased. At the time, we lived in a rural, sorry, Donna, area, so it's seldomly traveled by anyone.
0: (laughs) Joke's on you. I'm not reading it. Yeah.
1: So it's seldomly traveled by anyone who doesn't live there. However, we were traveling on the main route heading east, so maybe they were travelers just passing through. With this in mind, we decided to make a turn on a long, winding road that loops back around to the main road but from the direction we had been coming from. Essentially, we were backtracking and going back to McDonald's, but taking a different road to get there. Of course, they made the turn as well. That was all the proof we needed. We were being followed. The second leg of our world tour was just going to have to wait because for all we knew, our lives would be ending soon. No sane person tries to follow someone home from a McDonald's. There's no way this could have ended well for us. My sister knew that now more than ever, she needed to drive like she was in the Indy 500, (laughs) and she did. We sped all around, down back roads, weaving between cars, and when we could see them no longer behind us, we raced home like a speed racer and quickly put my sister's car in the garage, which my parents were not thrilled about because that little car spews so much fluid, there's a puddle of something on the ground wherever it's parked. We hid in the garage until we felt like it was safe, and then we hauled ass inside and locked the doors and didn't sleep a wink that night. I'm thankful that this story isn't more terrifying than the possibilities of what could have happened to us if they had called up to us and found out where we lived, or that they had run our little car off the road on a dark, secluded back road. What scares me the most is I don't know what they wanted, but I didn't have to say one word to them to know that I wanted no part of what they were selling. I'm left wondering how many times my intuition and gut feelings have saved me and I haven't even realized it. And on that note, thanks for sharing and for all you do. Love you girls so much. I'm sorry for all the grammatical errors. Creep it real, Haley.
0: Oh my gosh, Haley. That would be so freaking scary. Yes.
1: I've had that basically happen. Mm -hmm. Remember, but they, they... did follow me into the neighborhood. Yeah. And then I, of course, like went around a couple of times. Mm-hmm.
0: If someone turns down my street behind me at night, I go a whole thing. Cause I'm on a loop. So I just make that loop to see where they're going to go. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, no one comes down this way. Like, why are you here? Also, I'm very paranoid. <laughs> also, Haley, thank you so much for saying that we, you know, like inspired you to start your own podcast. That's really cool. I'm, I'm such a fan of people following their passion. All right. Hey, I must say, I love y'all so much. I feel like I've become such a fangirl of you two. It's crazy. I started to listen to you guys when I started my new job, and I can use my headphones all day. I've gotten tired of listening to music and wanted to find something about serial killers and paranormal on Spotify. I fell in love with your podcast, it made me laugh and scared every day. Anyway, let's start with my sinister sighting. By the way, you can use my real name. It's Sundra. At a young age, I've always been able to see things, like shadows and people from the corner of my eye. I didn't think much about it because I had never learned of ghosts or anything spiritual. I remember when I was about eight or nine, I was living in a small apartment with four of my sisters. I'm the baby out of seven kids. The other kids had moved out. And I remember walking through the small hallway and seeing my sister's TV on when she wasn't home. I didn't think much of it because people forget all the time, so I went into her dark room to turn it off. The TV was just in static mode, so nothing was playing on it. I then turned it off and walked away. I then walked back around 20 minutes later, and it was on again. I was confused because I thought I had turned it off. For some reason, I heard the TV static, but I also noticed that there was this low connection like when you didn't get the antennas the right way, so it makes it sound like it's almost on. By the way, this was like early 2000 where people got most of their cable from antennas and tinfoil. I got kind of scared because the TV is not plugged into anything but a VCR player, I then turned it off again, but this time I ran away because I felt like someone was in the room watching me. That room always gave me a bad vibe, and I've always been afraid of it day or night. Then, weeks later, I was walking in the halls and noticed a lady looking at me. She was pretty tall, well, at least from a nine or ten year old's perspective. Or Donna's current. I mean, you're not wrong. She saw me and disappeared into my sister's room fast. For some reason in my mind, I tried to reason it away and thought it was my sister. So I yelled at her and was like, Judy? Then followed her into the room. And when I got there, I looked around the dark room and she wasn't there. I then ran away ASAP and into my mom's room and laid in the bed with her scared and quiet because I couldn't understand what had just happened. And I couldn't explain it to my mother without her thinking I'm crazy. I haven't even told her to this day. Ever since then, I have never seen her again, but I would have sleep paralysis and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I couldn't breathe, like someone was holding me down or stopping me from breathing. I never connected it to anything, but I kept blaming myself for it and saying, I'm just crazy or seeing and feeling things. After we moved out of that apartment, I never had problems sleeping like that again. But I would still see other stuff, but that's for another email because this is getting long enough. But thank you for reading and being able to say my story and making me feel less crazy and alone. Much love, Sundra.
1: Wow. It's like part of me wants to be able to see things, but then part of me is also like, no. Like the thought of being able to see someone like standing in that corner over there, Mm -hmm. like gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies. Right. Like, woo.
0: Oh, yeah, I have too much of an imagination mm-hmm. anyway, and then to actually see it, mm.
1: And too much fucking anxiety. Yes. I can't add another medicine, y'all.
0: Oh, gosh, right? And TV static, that kind of stuff freaks me out, too, like, because of a movie called White Noise. Really? Freaks me out. Do you remember when you
1: were a kid and you would fall asleep with the TV on and, like, that cable channel would go off the air? Yes. Like, that's not even a thing anymore. I know, know? I know. Okay. Hey, ladies. In this grand quarantine, I wanted to share with y'all some of my stories about haunted houses. Funny, scary, and otherwise. I've been going to haunted houses as long as I can remember. Being the fifth child in my family, I think my parents were tired of sitting things out that my siblings and I were afraid of, or just didn't want to do, so I often found myself in situations I didn't super love. Most of the time, it was me being an overdramatic kid that was afraid of the dark and anything remotely fast or scary, so one of my parents or oldest siblings would hold me tight and promise I would be okay. I live in Ohio, and I grew up going to Cedar Point for hollow weekends every October. The haunted houses there are mostly just walk-through areas that you don't have to wait in line for. We never waited for the smaller ones. It took too much time. And before heading in, my dad would open up his coat so I could hug him and hide underneath. Every once in a while, he'd have me switch over to my mom or oldest brother so he could go look at decorations or find an actor to scare one of my older siblings. One October, I was probably five or six. My dad told me that I needed to switch over to my mom and she'd take me out of the haunted area. Evil, dead, zombie, clown theme, still hate it. So I waited until he gave me the all clear, and without opening my eyes, I turned around and hugged onto what I thought was my mom. I opened my eyes and looked up. I was wrong, and I was hugging a horrifying clown.
0: Oh shit.
1: I immediately grabbed back to my dad and hid under his coat, crying until he took me out of that area. Flash forward to when I was seven or eight, still walking through haunted houses with my face pressed into my dad's stomach, I had a clown lean over and whispered, Are you scared, princess? My dad redeemed himself this time by telling the clown I was little, I was very tall for my age, a uh, same, and very, very scared, so the clown would leave me alone, To this day, I blame my father for my lifelong fear of clowns. Fast forward to when I was 13. At this point, I loved haunted houses and went to a bunch with my oldest brother all October. He took me to the Mansfield Reformatory, also called the Ohio State Penitentiary, to their giant haunted house on Halloween night. It was freezing cold, raining hard, and the last night of the season. My brother and I bought our tickets and walked in to discover there was no line, and our group consisted of just the two of us. I remember looking at him and saying, of the 13-year-old girl and the 26-year-old man, who do you think they're going to go after? He laughed and was so kind, I swear I deafened him as I screamed and left bruises on his arm from how tight I held onto it the entire haunted house, which takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get through. A few years later, we went back, this time with our other brother, and it was pretty crowded. Part of the haunted house takes you through a very isolated cell block where you walk against a brick wall on your left and a row of empty and pitch black cells on your right. As we walked through this area, I felt a hand grab my upper arm. The hand grasped hard enough to leave faint marks that I could see the next day. I assumed it was one of my brothers and smacked the hand off of me. About as soon as I did that, I realized that both of my brothers were in front of me, and the arm that grabbed me was against the brick wall.
0: Oh, no. No one
1: could have been standing there. This reformatory is known to be extremely haunted, and though I'm not entirely sure I believe in ghosts or not, it's a terrifying experience. This last story has to do with clowns again. There is a small high school PTA board-run haunted forest in a rural community in central Ohio that I go out to every year. The haunted forest itself isn't great, but the proceeds go back to the school, so I'm happy to spend the money there. In 2016, I took one of my friends out to this haunted forest as it was her first haunted house experience. The route takes you through these woods with a guide in front and in back, and the actors are within different buildings along the path where you stop and they tell you the story of a family that lives and kills in these woods. The last stop of the haunted forest was a carnival with clowns milling all around. As I said earlier, I hate clowns, so I wasn't super stoked, but I made it through okay. My friend and I went opening night. My two brothers went the next week, and when they came home, they talked about the last stop of the trail being centered on the idea that they kicked out the clowns. I told them it was entirely clowns when I went there the week before. There wasn't a single clown when my brothers went. I'm sure that The board running it decided with all the scary stuff happening with clowns in the fall of 2016 that it was probably not best to have any clown stuff in the haunted house, but it's still a very weird and creepy thing to imagine. Anyway, I've been through hundreds of haunted houses in my life and will probably think of more stories to share, funny and scary, later on. What else do I have to do right now? Creep it real, E.
0: Oh my gosh. Holy Hannah. Holy Hannah. You know, I had something like that happen in a haunted house. We were holding on to each other, like the person in front was holding on to the shirt, you know, whatever. Well, the girl behind me, she was a little, like, a little slower, so my shirt was being pulled a little bit more. Well, then it was let go, and then it was pulled again, and I was like, her name, and I looked around, and it was one of the actors, and I was like, you're not her. Like, <laughs> uh-uh, no. Yeah. But I was like, oh, my God. But they had gotten her, and then, like, you know. Yeah. But I was like, oh, my God, they're so good, though, because they saw how we were holding. Yeah. You know, and it was like, they just did it. And I was like, oh, you're back. No, that's not <laughs> her. okay, okay. <laughs> Hey beautiful gals, I'm from Edinburgh, Scotland, and please don't say we're British because Scottish people hate that. So if you don't know, Edinburgh is a really old, beautiful, but haunted city. I have a few stories of things I've heard or seen, but this is probably the weirdest one yet. I think I was around 14, 15, and I went on a family day out with my parents and some family friends. We went on a ghost tour of the underground vaults in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. If you're interested, look them up because they are crazy. Long story short, there are two sets of vaults which are built underneath Edinburgh. They were used a long time ago as storage for shop owners, but they were abandoned. This made them the perfect place for basically the outcasts and the criminals of Edinburgh. Sex workers, murderers, and even the famous body snatchers Burke and Hare killed the people who moved down there to sell to the doctors. Shit. Wow. Uh, You need to do that. Right? (laughs) So we're on this tour, and there are a hundred of different vaults, so by this point, we are really far underground and far into the vaults. The lady doing the tour was great, telling us all about the history. We walked into this vault where there was a circle of stones in the middle, and straight away, I started to feel weird. I felt sick and dizzy. The rest I don't remember, so this is what I was told by my mom and the tour lady. As the lady was talking about the witchcraft that went on in the room, I suddenly broke into a sob and started screaming like I was in a lot of emotional pain. My parents panicked and tried to speak to me, and then I ran out of the vault and made my own way outside. The vaults are pitch black and don't have a path to an exit. They are a lot like little caves, and basically there's no way I would have known my own way out. The lady taking the tour said it was like I knew my way around the vaults, like someone had taken over my body and she'd never seen anything like it. As soon as I got outside, I stopped crying, stopped feeling sick, and was so confused as to how I even got out because all I remembered was entering the room where the stones were. It completely freaked my parents out, and my mom has never went on anything like that again. I'm now 24, and I think I have a bit of a sensitive side to these things, But my mind is still blank about that day. Hope this wasn't too long and I absolutely love listening to your show when I'm walking my two puppies. Creep it real and don't go to the Edinburgh vaults, Emily.
1: Um, that's all I want to do is go.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of walking.
1: It does. Can I get a, um, hover (laughs) round? Paul Blart it? Mm Mm-mm. You still got to stand with that.
0: Oh, a hover round.
1: That's a segue. Yeah. A hover-round you get to sit down on. You Mm. not saw the commercials? Yeah. You not saw. Oh, Lord.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is so freaking good. I mean, maybe it was your past life. Dude. Maybe you were a sex worker
1: down down in there. Or maybe you were a shop owner. And, you know, maybe you were one of the last shop owners to, like, abandon your thing. And so... All of those bad people were down there, and so you were, like, trying to get away from them. Mm. I just wrote your uh, past life story. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay, last one. Hello, beautiful ladies. How would you like an I Survived story? Well, it's mine, and I think it's one of the most frightening times from my childhood. Okay, picture it. My two older brothers and I had gone to Hawaii to spend the summer with our dad, his new wife, who was pregnant, and her daughter, our newly adopted sister. Now, stepmom was not used to having this many kids to take care of, so every afternoon, he would kick us out so she could rest. Never asked what we were up to as long as the oldest one was with us. So we found an empty beach, and we went swimming. I don't swim well, so I never went in too far, but this beach just dropped off, and I got sucked into an undertow.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: The way middle brother tells it, the oldest took off first, but he overtook him and found me and pulled me out. We never told the adults. I did when we were grown. I told our dad, and he said, no way, his wife just let us go off every day like that. I told him there were three more people there, go ask them, but he didn't. I think he was afraid of the answer. But then he said what we all know, no way in hell my two older brothers would let harm come to me. They took care of me and protected me since the day mom brought me home from the hospital. I was their first baby. Plus, mama would hurt them if I got hurt on their watch. I love y'all. Creep it real. Watch out for the undertoes. P.S. At the time, my brothers were 11 and 9, and I was 6. The new sis was 5.
0: Oh my <gasps> gosh.
1: Y'all were babies. Yeah,
0: that puts it into a different
1: perspective. I'm picturing like... like teenagers like a 16 year old a 14 year old and like an 11 year old yeah fuck undertows are so scary when we go to the beach in like orange beach alabama or right there across the florida line we usually will have a condo that's like on the beach so your balcony faces the water and it's like you can look out there and see the rip currents because of how the waves come in and it's just so scary, like, how many people get caught up in that, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, that's why I don't go up in there. Also, fish.
1: Okay, fish way more than rip currents, and you aren't going out even close enough to getting caught up in that.
0: Uh, yeah, because of fish.
1: I know. That's why I said fish. Well, good thing you didn't read her email, because, uh, when it said picture it, it started off with a lot of fish emojis.
0: Well, oh, don't like them. Donna hates fish. I don't eat it. I don't want to see it. Why do they have to have them at Japanese buffets? I don't
1: know. Like a koi pod. And they always stink.
0: <sighs> I'm like, and an aquarium. Just why? I don't need that ambiance. Mm-mm. I'm not at the
1: liquid zoo. <laughs> the liquid zoo. <laughs> you remember that from that thing? It's like when people can't remember
0: words. Yeah. And they <laughs> called it a liquid zoo. That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: Thank y'all so much for sending them in. Keep them coming, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com or go to the website www.aparanormalchicks.com. And remember,
0: creep it real and
1: and don't don't get get scared. scared.